Hi, and welcome to our podcast. We are on day two of the Passion Week series, and uh, today's podcast is titled, This House is My House. Our homes are safe havens. If you have a friend walk into your home, but doesn't treat your home with respect, like putting shoes on the table counter, or being careless with the drinks in their hand, you would quite naturally let them know what kind of behavior is expected of them. That's the kind of scene we have playing out in Luke chapter 19, verses 45 and 46. Let me read it out to you. When Jesus entered the temple courts, he began to drive out those who were selling. It is written, he said to them, My house will be a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of robbers. Jesus enters the temple, and as you may know, a temple is known to be the dwelling place of God. Even while we are conscious of the fact that God can't be restricted to the confines of a temple, it is a place where heaven and earth meet, a hot spot of God's presence, if you will. Jesus enters the temple and finds things quite out of order. First of all, there was selling going on in the outer courts. If you have read the laws and instructions regarding the temple, you would know that the outer courts was reserved for foreigners and the sick among the people of God. Foreigners, immigrants were also invited to have fellowship with God. It was to serve as a constant reminder to the Israelites that their relationship with God wasn't meant to be exclusive. He wasn't their pet God or household God or even their ethnic God. They were blessed with a revelation and relationship with God, not only for themselves to enjoy, but to serve as a testimony to nations around them of the heart of God, His love, justice, holiness, and willingness to set right those who are far away from Him. Looking at Israelites' history, it's a sobering reminder that they forgot this truth. Instead of them being a testament of God's heart for all nations, they envied other nations and wanted to be like them, adopting their practices. And in the course of time, not only did they forget about the great mandate to bring God's glory to the nations, but they ravaged their own nation in the process, going from justice, righteousness and love to overwhelming corruption, hatred, disunity and injustice in the land. Secondly, these markets were set up as a matter of convenience. For those arriving at the temple from other places, uh, they could quickly change their money into the temple currency. They could buy the necessary sacrificial animals and quickly finish off their religious duty. Devotion and love for God uh, was passed on as a ritual and a chore that needed to be completed. Worship of God became a matter of convenience rather than devotion. And this angered Jesus. Notice he uses the possessive pronoun when he refers to the temple, my. My house will be called a house of prayer. Like the owner of a house arriving on the scene to set things in order, Jesus arrives. In doing so, he is echoing the words of Isaiah in 56 verse 7, where Isaiah talks about how eunuchs, foreigners, and people from far off places are welcome to the house of God. Because, God spoke through the prophet, my house will be a house of prayer for all nations. Pause to reflect for just a minute. Think about worship for a moment. That amazing practice of contemplating with gratitude on the works of God, looking on with wonder at the greatness of what He has done and who He is, and then responding to that greatness and humble surrender of heart and life. How is worship going for you? Has it become a matter of convenience? 
we leave it mostly for the last thing of the day, the moments when our eyes are heavy with sleep. We leave prayer and contemplation on God's word for another time, don't we? When it comes to seeking God, there's always something more important to do. When it comes to gathering as a church, do we do it out of convenience? I was touched the last couple of weeks to see two of our nurses' friends, Mia and Nisha, log on to our online service in the middle of their nursing shift just because they were able to. It wasn't convenient, but they did it as a matter of devotion. I was inspired by a friend and brother, Nithin, who, uh, who went out in the morning hours to pray for the city. Not out of convenience, but sheer devotion and a concern for the people of the city. We know that in Christ, our bodies are now the temple of God. If that's the case, this is something we need to think about. What God is doing in us and what He wants to do through us. That through you and me, God wants to reveal His hope, peace and presence and goodness to the world around us. Do we tend to become so self-obsessed that we miss out on that mandate? The second part of the rebuke Jesus brings at the temple is in the form of an allegation. You have made it a den of robbers. Jesus is very intentional about holding people accountable for their actions. If things are going bad in our lives, we often try to find someone or something to blame. I've found that majority of the time, I'm to blame for my own suffering, no one else. In any case, Jesus seems to be holding people accountable because they were supposed to keep this from happening. Like Proverbs says, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. No one can do it for you. Like I often tell Jan when we deal with difficult people, you can bring the camel to the well, but you can't force it to drink. Not that people are livestock, but you get what I'm saying. You have made it a den of robbers, Jesus says. He adopts the phrase den of robbers from the prophet Jeremiah in chapter 7 verse 11. When God speaks through the prophet telling people not to deceive themselves. Apparently, people were living however they wanted, worshipping other gods, living in corruption, lust, injustice, and telling themselves, we are fine. Nothing wrong is going to happen. We're good. And that's the way they even come to worship, with this kind of insane, self-justifying hypocrisy. Their worship service, which was meant to be a congregation of devotees, then became a den of robbers. Like the proverbial thief who asks God for strength before going out on his escapades, were these people thinking nothing was wrong with that kind of a lifestyle. It's always painful to take a good, long, hard look at ourselves and know when we've messed up and that we are in need of a change. It is awakening in a sense. And for the congregants at the temple that Palm Sunday, it was the same. The reality is, Jesus is in our lives. And while it's true that His love for us is unconditional, His love also is just, meaning He can't allow our lives to be the same, enslaved to our selfishness and deceived by our narcissism. Like a loving father that keeps fire away from his child for their own good, or trains a child even when the child protests, is Jesus in our lives. So if you've ever felt the discipline of God in your life, then be consoled that He is doing what only a loving Father will do. Like the writer in Hebrews says, Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as His children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? As we seek God today, would you ask Him, 
what tables he would like to overturn in your life, what injustices, self-deception, hypocrisy, sin, or hatred is running in your life, let him put his finger on it. Let him pluck it out by the roots, like the cleaning of a mirror so that we might truly reflect him in our lives. Take a moment to listen. Listen. Listen for his voice, would you? Have a great day ahead.